0: So, true spirituality is the uh, the title of the series that we're in. <laughs> uh, hi wants to give me a new chair. All right, all right. Thank you, Hi. All right. Hey, my note says my note said your new stool. Presented by the Deaf Ministry. How cool is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Love you guys. Thank you, hi. <laughs> oh, man. I, gotta, I ain't even sat in this thing before. Comfy. All right. All right. Hey, we started a new series a couple of weeks ago called True Spirituality. I'm going to have to get used to this. True uh, True Spirituality. And, uh, and, the, and what we've been talking about is what does it mean to be truly alive in Christ? What does it really mean to be a Christ follower? Now, guys, what, we, what I shared with you is that if you really look at it statistically, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but they really don't live like Christ followers. They live like anybody else in the rest of the world. The way they spend their money, the way they do their relationships, they just live kind of a cultural Christianity they live a congregational Christianity, but they don't live a Christianity that penetrates into the way they think and the way they live and the way their heart is. And um, what we're studying is, what, how can we really know a picture? Give me a vision, Stephen. Give me a, a little diagram. Give me a map for what it really looks like to be a Christ follower. And I've shared with you that when I was a baby Christian, one of the first chapters of the Bible that I ever memorized was Romans chapter 12, and it transformed my life. And it gave me a picture of what it really means to be a Christ follower. Now, it's not the end of all of everything because being a Christ follower is, is so uh, in-depth and, and it can be so deep and it can, it can be so much more encompassing. But let me tell you what Romans 12 does. It focuses on five different relationships that you and I need to have in our lives and how we're supposed to operate in those five relationships. Now, if you missed week number one and you dove in with us last week, then we were only talking about one of those relationships. But remember my little iPad thing, my little drawing thing? I invite you to flip over on the backside of your outline and be artist with me for just a minute, because what I want to do with you is I want to just go back and remind you about those five relationships. Now, remember what I said. Christianity at its core is not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about do's and don'ts. At its core, Christianity is always and will always be about relationship. That's what it's about. So it's interesting, in Romans 12, 1, the first relationship that the apostle talks about is our relationship with God. Romans 12, 1, we studied that last week, remember? And in that scripture, um, Paul said, listen, I beg you, I plead with you, offer your bodies to God as living sacrifices. And the word that we used was the word surrender, surrender. So how are we supposed to live with God? We talked about living, surrendered lives. As a matter of fact, if if you were here last week, You got that message. We were talking about surrendering to God with our lives, our bodies, our hands, our eyes—everything we do. We offer our bodies to God, and if we could live that way on a on a daily basis, guess what happens? Jesus actually starts to live through us, and it affects how we talk to people, how we drive our cars, how we spend our money. It affects Jesus starts living His life through us. Now, today we're going to talk about that second relationship. That second relationship is with the world, and um. I'm going to draw my little world thing, and I'm not a very good artist, but you can draw your little world thing and do better than me. And what we're going to learn from from God's word today is if there is a word that tells us how our relationship is supposed to be with the world, the word is separate. We are supposed to look different than the world. And that's Romans 12, 2. It's the scripture we're going to study today. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. We're going to get into that. The third relationship, and that will be what we talk about next week, Is your relationship with you, the self, all right? And Paul is going to tell us, oh, I didn't spell that one very good, self, that's supposed to say self right there. Paul's going to say, hey, listen, your your understanding of who you are in Christ is not supposed to be too high and lofty and be conceited. It's not supposed to be too low and you think you're depressed all the time. It's supposed to be a sober self-assessment. You have a real estimate of what God says about you, and you understand who you are, and then that gives you purpose. That's that third relationship, verses 3 through, uh, through 8 there. Now, that fourth relationship is your relationship. I'm just going to draw a little happy face because I'm sure these people are always, they're supposed to be always happy, not, you know. These are believers. These are people in the church, okay, these are believers who understand what the Christ life is all about. These are people who get joy. They're living for heaven, but they're living for heaven now. And the Bible says in Romans 12, verses 9 through 13, how are we supposed to live with them? We're supposed to live in a, in a, in a way of serving in love. Serving in love. And what does that mean? Everybody finds their way of serving in their own unique passions and gifts. We'll talk about that in, in, week, uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, week five. And then finally... There's, I'm going to draw another happy face, and uh, uh, I'm going to put a little smile on these people too, but I'm going to give them eyebrows like they're mean, and I'm going to give them horns, and, um, and we're going to call these people unbelievers, all right? Oh, I didn't do that right. Believers. And what, how do we respond to people who are mean and evil and do hate in our lives and, and are malicious towards us? How do we respond to them? And, and boy, in Romans 12, verses 14 through 21, he's going to say, listen, if you respond to them differently than everybody else would when they when they do evil to you, if you would respond to them supernaturally with good, you respond to evil supernaturally with good, if you can do that, then all of a sudden the world sees it differently. So I don't know that I can write all that down, but it's supernaturally responding, you're not going to be able to read this, to evil with good now those five relationships those five relationships we're talking about if you can get a picture of how you're supposed to live in every one of those relationships then you start getting a picture of man this is what this is how jesus operated that's why on the cross for example jesus is able to say lord i pray for them they don't know what they're doing and he prayed good over them when they were doing evil to him God wants us to understand how to live in every one of these relationships. Now today, we're going to talk about the second realm, okay? The world. So if you have your Bible or you have your outline in front of you, we're going to read Romans 12, 2 together. And um, as a matter of fact, why don't we do this? Uh, It's it's only one short verse. Can we read it out loud? Can we read it full voice together? Romans 12, 2. Read it full voice with me. The Bible says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So last week, we talked about how to give God what He wants. And the answer to that question was, God wants us to live in this continual relationship with him of surrender which is hard to do we talked about that on Wednesday night how do you do that living every day in a place of surrendering to his will and letting him live in you but today I want to talk to you about how how do you get God's best for your life and the way that you're going to do that is by understanding your relationship with him and your relationship with the world kind of that vertical and horizontal thing so what are we talking about here Got, got, your, got your pen or maybe you just kind of take some notes here. There's a negative command right at the very beginning of Romans 12:2. The negative command is simply this. It, it, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Don't do not. It's a negative. Do not conform. Don't shape yourself anymore. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world system any longer. That's not what you were meant to do. This is interesting because think about a person who's not a Christ follower. They're going along. They're living in the world, right? They're just living in the world, doing what they see the world doing. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes into their life. He saves them of their sins. He gives them an eternal future in heaven with him. He gives them purpose to live on and purpose to do ministry. And all of a sudden, they read Romans twelve two And the, the admonishment here, the challenges. Now listen, from here forward, your life is supposed to look different. So start, the negative command, start here. No more. No more. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. So here's the application point that I put in your outline here. What what he's really saying here is stop allowing yourself to be molded by the influence and the pressures of the world system, and you are to be separate from the world. Write that word in. You are to be separate from the world's systems and its values. You're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. Stephen, what what does he even mean there? The world, the world's systems, the world's values. Listen, the world which we live in, let's, let's be very clear. The world you live in is a world that, is, uh, that God has given dominion to your enemy over, Satan over, right? And the Bible tells us Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy you. He doesn't have good in mind for you. He wants to kill, steal from you, and to destroy you. And so the world's systems and its values is in every way kind of tailored and suited every day to kill, steal, and destroy from you. So if it comes to relationships, if you follow the world's patterns, your relationships, if you, if you have it go the world's way, it's only going to lead to a place of misery in your life. Or if you, go to a, if you, if you deal with your money the world's way, it's only going to go to a place of, of misery for you. You might have a lot of money, but you can be miserable because you'll be doing it the world's way, emotionally depressed. There's a, lots of ways the world will come, because here's the deal. The world systems are antithetical to God's plans for you and to God's best for you. So what he's talking about here is, listen, who's he writing to? Anybody remember Romans? Who's he writing to? Who's he writing to? People living in Rome. Yeah, it's not a trick question. I don't trick you. All right. He's writing to people living in Rome, and they are Christians. Now, if you want to really get what he's talking about here, go back to Rome. Let's look at what Rome was like. In Rome, during this day and age, when he's writing, there, it's the time of the gladiators. I mean, the most famous people are the gladiators, the people who are the kind of their Olympic heroes, the people who, can, who are the mightiest, the strongest, the people who are just, you know, they're warriors, so they're great celebrities in the culture. Not only that, there, is, there, is, there are brothels throughout Rome, and so sex is a big thing in Rome, and, and people are having sex with and anybody and whenever they want to, and that's, that's a big part of the Roman culture. And then beyond that, there are idols everywhere, scattered throughout Rome. There's statues, the idols and idols and idols and idols and idols. There's all kinds of understandings of all these different gods. And you're invited to worship any god you want to worship. And isn't that interesting that that's one one of the parts of their culture? How about this one? Women in Rome, you don't matter. You don't matter. You are nothing but an object. You have no status in this society. You're mistreated. You are only to do what somebody else wants you to do, you don't have anything. And by the way, it's not just women. In Rome, there is a, a huge culture of slavery, and there are, there are people who, who might as well not exist, all right? They are only there to do things, and they're treated as they are non-humans. And as a matter of fact, in Rome, babies are being killed just because of their gender. They're being killed if, they're, if oftentimes because they're female. They're being killed, slaughtered, children, Paul looks at these Christians living in the middle of this very secular place, and he writes to them with a negative command, and he says to them, do not be molded. Do not be shaped. Do not be pressed into the culture you live in. He's giving them a picture. You are to look separate from that. Now, I don't know about you. I was studying Rome this week, and and all of a sudden, this it's amazing how the biblical application can just come to you and you can look at, man, that's who he was writing to and look at the culture I live in and look at how very similar they've got stuff going on. Are you hearing me? Guys, we live in a culture that is, it is, just, it is, is going straight to hell in a handbasket, breaking mock speed barriers. Our culture is wanting to drive us down, steal, kill, and destroy. Why? Because It's not because the culture is led by celebrities. It's not because the culture is led by media. It's because the culture is being led by the prince of darkness, the one who, is, who, who has been, been given control over this realm for a short period of time. And you and I have got to wake up to that. And, and the clarion call for us when it comes to how we live with the world is, wow, I have got to be separate from the world. I was never meant to be formed into its, its image. That's not me. I found this scripture that, uh, that, that I think is just, it says a lot. In, look at it with me real quickly. In 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says this. Uh, John, one of the best friends of Jesus, is writing. And again, he's, he's writing to Christians. So listen to what he says. He says, do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, It is, listen, it is not from the Father. He said, what's in the world? All that bad stuff is not from the Father. He said, it is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust. but the one who does the will of God will live forever. Got your pen? Let me just kind of, can I break that apart for just a minute? I want to do a little teaching here around this one scripture real quickly. Got your pen? Start circling the word love anywhere you can find it in there. You'll find that it says, do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, you know what that says to me? That real quickly opens my eyes up because I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. See, when it comes to how we live in the culture, get this picture. When it comes how you live in the culture this week, how am I going to live as a Christian in in a culture that's that's bent the wrong way and turning its heart back against God? How A lot of people mess this up. And they think you can do this by by a list of do's and don'ts. Well, I will do this, and I won't do that. And I do, don't, do, and it becomes a list of rules. It becomes a list of, okay, this is the way we do it. And if if that's the way you think about living separate from the world, listen, you're about that deep. You don't get it yet, okay? Why did I ask you to circle that word love over and over again? Because Satan is after far more than your moral perfection, than your moral goodness. He is after your heart. He wants your affections. He doesn't, want, he doesn't really care how you behave. He wants your heart to be in love with the world. He wants you to see the culture that you live in. And like the prodigal say, oh, I don't want to live in daddy's house anymore. I want to run towards that stuff that's out there. I want to consume that stuff. And he's, the enemy of darkness is not after your moral goodness. He is after your heart. And so John says, listen, don't love the world and don't 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 love anything in the world because it's dying and it's passing away. What he's saying is, listen, if you love the world, you don't have the heart of your father. Let's get that prodigal picture. I mean, that prodigal is walking down the road, moving towards the world, and his heart is not with his father. It's against his father and all the good things his father's got planned for him. The, The father has good plans for his son. The son is walking away from every one of those plans, and as he walks away, his heart is getting closer and closer and more affection and more passionate towards the world and what it has to offer him. Are you getting that picture? See, your father has something so much better for you and so many times we can fall in love with the world. Now, this scripture, by the way, golden nugget. I told you I was going to break it apart with you. Golden can we just Can we break it apart a little bit more? You got your pen? I'm going to ask you to circle some things or underline some things, maybe make some notes. The first one is this. I, I, I've even put it in bold for you where it says uh, there are three components of the world system. I've made all three bold for you. He says, uh, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust, underline that, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. This gives us three components of a very carnal world pointing and pushing away from God. What, Stephen, what is the lust of the flesh? You, maybe you just draw a little line out from that and put a couple of words there. The lust of the flesh, said very simply, can be the passion to feel. Passion to feel. If you have the lust of the flesh going on in your heart, and you're wanting to, to have that stuff in the world, it is the passion to feel. So what do you mean by that, Stephen? That can be food, Okay? The lust of the flesh says, I've got to have more to eat. I want to eat. They can be literally food. It could be sex. It could be pornography. It could be anything on the side of your feeling of your life. And, and what Paul is saying there, I'm sorry, what John is saying there is, listen, the, the passion to feel will take you down the wrong road. Now look at the second one. He said the lust of the flesh and the lust of the, what's those words? Eyes. Eyes. Draw a little line out from there. Stephen, what is that? That's the passion to have. The passion to have. So your eyes see things, and this is so human, your eyes see things, it can be on a magazine cover, it can be your next door neighbor just drove by your mailbox in a, in a, in a, in a, a beautiful car, and all of a sudden the eyes, that you're, you have the lust of your eyes, and it's the passion to have. And so you want to have, you know, the bigger house, the bigger the car, you want to have the, the salary, you want to have the stuff, I've got to get more and more stuff. The lust of the flesh is the passion to feel. The lust, the, the lust of the eyes is you see stuff and you covet it and you want more and more of the world stuff. And then look at that last one. And the boastful pride of life. What is that, Stephen? Draw your line out there. That's the passion to be. You, you want to you gain significance because of the world. Oh, if people would just see me if they'd know my name. If people would just see me. If I could have that position at the job place. It's the passion to be. Man, if I could, if I could accomplish this. If I could get this award. If I could get these statistics, if I could main these, these selling goals, and you just push yourself, push yourself to accomplish why. So that somebody would say, well, now you've arrived. Somebody would notice you, say, look at you, look at you. You'd be like, yay, yeah, look at me. You pat yourself on the back, right? And Paul says, listen, three components of the world right there in the Scripture. You're going to face lust of the flesh that says, hey, I want to feel more. Prodigal son, think of him going where he went. John says, You're going to have the lust of the eyes. You're going to see stuff and you're going to covet it and you're going to want it and you're going to want to do anything you can get it. Prodigal son, see him walking and wanting that stuff. The boastful pride of life. He's pretty rich living in his daddy's house, but if he can go make it there, he can make it anywhere. So he's going to go make something of himself. He's going to accomplish great things. And Paul, I mean, John said, Listen, John said, You, don't, you may not see it, but that whole system is dying. You were meant to live. What are we talking about here? The negative command is do not be conformed. Why? It's because your father has so much more than you, than that old junk that looks like it's good stuff, but it's just not. Now, here's what I want to tell you listen carefully. Every culture on planet Earth, every culture that's ever lived on planet Earth, has to face those three components of a culture that's dying and wanting to kill, steal, and destroy from them. Every culture. So if I went right now and I went to Africa, the way they have a passion to feel and a passion to, you know, to, to see and to have and a passion to be, they would have their own stuff, okay? And if I went to Europe or if I went to Australia, every culture, it's right there. That's why the Bible is so true. It gives us an understanding of a, of a global understanding that the prince of darkness wants us to have our affections pointed towards him. But you know what God says? If you walk that way, if you run towards that stuff, you will never have my best for your life. I want, I, want my, I want to give you my best. But if you have your heart set on the world, you'll never get my best. So how do we do that? Well, there's a positive command. So let's, can, I didn't tell Tom. Hey, Tom, can you go back to Romans 12.2? Romans 12.2. There's a positive command. Paul, uh, Paul says this. Do not, there's a negative, be conformed. Don't be pressured. Don't be molded. Don't be, don't be pressed into the mold of the world anymore. That's done, okay? But, there's that word, there's that big but. I like big buts. Uh, but, but be transformed. Get your pen underline that word. But be transformed. My wife's going to really get onto me at lunch. <laughs> yes, I'm in trouble. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Now, transform. I just want to stop right there for a minute. Transform. What does your mind think when you hear that word transformed? okay? My mind goes back to being in grade school or actually being out on the backside of my house in, in Augusta, Georgia, where we had a tree that had these caterpillars. Um, I think they were called catawbas. Uh, it was a catawba tree. Uh, maybe they were catawba worms. They would get on this tree. They would eat the leaves. You could tell when they were in season, and then they would make these huge nests, and then they would turn in. You know, what do we call that? When they when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, a, what do we call that? Metamorphosis. Or a catalyst, right? Or, or 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 it's a metamorphosis. Now, stay there with me. The Bible says, "But be transformed." Now, in the Greek literally, that word is morph, okay? That's why my mind runs there. You're supposed to be morphing. Morphing. My mind goes to the worms. I wonder if somebody else's mind might go a different place, some of the younger crew. Um, There's some here that are a little bit younger than me, and their mind, when they hear the word morph, would go to something called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You remember that? Anybody with me? And and I never really watched this TV show. I guess I'm just out of that cusp, a little bit too old. But I do know the concept um, somewhat. There were these people in weird-looking outfits, and at some point, they would do something, um, and they would say... Morphing time, right? And, and, they would, and, and they would all hold up like a sword or something, whatever they had in their hands. They would, morphing time, right? And then in the TV, it would all like, shazam, you know, lightning. And then, and then all of a sudden, they were superpower people. You know, I think even sometimes they united or something. I don't know. I, I need to go watch the TV show. But I will mean, tell you that because I used to have a friend, and he used to do this regularly in his church. He would make everybody stand up. Everybody had to stand up. And they'd have to say, morphing time, you know, right before they studied God's word, they did it every week. Every week before they studied God's word, everybody stood up in their seat and they yelled, they put their hand up in there and they went, This guy must have been crazy about mighty morphing Power Rangers to be doing this, right? But they would, everybody would stand up and say, Morphing time because they were about to study God's word and they were going to give themselves the understanding of God's word and they wanted to see change in their lives. Now, I want you to get what Paul is saying. Here's, here's the nut, here's, here's the bolts of it negative command. Don't Don't have your heart set on that world. Don't be conformed anymore, but be transformed. God's plan for you is that you would be morphed, that you'd be literally changed. Application point that I put there in your outline, it is is, um, allowing God to completely change your inward thinking and your outward behavior. It's a supernatural morph. It's I'm changing from the inside, think worm, Butterfly, right? Think caterpillar changing to butterfly. I'm changing from the inside. I'm morphing, changing, being transformed to become something different behaviorally, even on the outside. Are you getting that picture? That's God's plan for you. For every one of you, that's God's plan for you to be changing on the inside to be morphing into something different on the outside. Now, you don't do it by yourself. If you don't hear anything else I say, you might need to write that down. You have no Power to transform yourself. You don't do this by yourself. So, the idea here is that you would be transformed by a connection with God's Spirit, and He begins to do a work inside of you that then works its way onto your outward behaviors. So, here's my question for you, and I put it kind of there in the outline. I actually put it as a statement, but I want to pose it as a question as well. Application point Are you being more um, influenced by the Word? or by the world? Are you being shaped and pressed and molded more by the word or more by the world? See, you were meant to be different than the world. But here's the question. I'm going to go back to my iPad for a minute. Let me see if I can pull this up and maybe you flip that thing over or maybe in the margin you draw with me for just a minute. I just want to pull this up and I want to give you an idea of what we're talking about here. All right. So here's my idea. It's the idea that you, hold on a second, it's coming, here you are, and that there are pressures that are going to be influencing you. So on one side, we would just write the word, word, God's word. And then on the other side, we would write the word, world, the world. And then on a continuum, the question is, which way are you moving? Are you becoming more like the world? Or are you becoming more like God's Word says you're supposed to be? So I'm just going to put an arrow here and an arrow here. Are you becoming more like God's Word? Are you becoming more like the world in which you live in? Now, let's be real, and let me tell you why I'm doing this series. I told you week number one that the world's greatest need right now is not global peace, and it's not more money, and not stopping every, you know, it, it, you know let me tell you what the, the greatest need for the world is. The greatest need for the world is for Christians to start acting like Christians, because the truth of the matter is the, the statistically, eight to nine out of ten Christians live just like the rest of the world. They spend their money just like the rest of the world. They think just like the rest of the world. They get, they they, they hardly go to church. They, they, they're, it's not impacting them. It's not getting down in their soul. They don't look like the biblical Christ follower they're supposed to look like. Let me say it differently on my little telestrator here. They're living right here. That's where they're living. They're living over on the side of the world. Because why? They have been, they have been pressured. They have been conformed. They've been pressed into the world's mold. And they've not understood Romans 12 too. They don't even understand what that's all about. Don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of the world but be transformed. There's no morphing going on. There's no supernatural Holy Spirit change going on interior that's that's affecting exterior behavior and outward behavior. It's just not happening in their life. It's supposed to be happening to every Christ follower's life. And oh Lord, may it be. Paul was saying it to the Romans, but he's saying it to us. So get this picture. Those same three things are happening all the time to every Christ follower who's ever walked planet Earth. Stephen, even every Christ follower? Yes, even Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are standing in the garden. John hasn't even written 1 John yet, but you know what they're struggling with? Standing in the middle of the garden, they're struggling with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. In the middle of the garden, they're struggling with the, what they want to feel, what, they, what they're seeing, and what they want to have. That's who they are. And they fail... And they walk towards the world, and they give up God's best for their life because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And you can fast forward to every Christ follower who's ever walked on the planet, every God-fear, and you will see that they were tempted with those same three things. You want a classic example, though? Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is by himself. He's off in the wilderness. And what does Satan come to him? He literally comes with him with those three things. The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. The very three things that, that John talks about are the very three temptations, one by one, that Satan brings to Jesus. Stephen, you've got to get this. You've got to get what I'm about to say. It's worth the price of admission, I promise you, alright? You've got to get it. How did Jesus beat Satan and his temptations Satan wasn't after Jesus just doing a good thing. He wanted Jesus' heart, remember? How did Jesus beat Satan in that place? Because he had planted God's word so deeply in his life. He wasn't on that world side of that continuum. He was on the word side. And when Satan came and he tempted him with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, when he tempted him with that, what did Jesus say? He took right out of the word what was his soul. And he quoted it right back to the, to the enemy because the word was deep in him. It, would, it had transformed Jesus deep within. And, and so look in Matthew 4. He answers one particular testing, one, one particular temptation. He answered and said, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quotes straight out of the Bible. He quotes straight out of the scripture and he says, this is it. Now listen, you, I'm going to say it again. You cannot expect to experience God's best if your heart is pointing towards the world. You just can't. (laughs) My goodness. Yesterday, I I drove up to Emory University to to spend some time with my son and to help him with his dorm room. And as I walked through a dorm facility, the thought occurred to me of, of what had happened on that night before on Friday night. I heard a couple of people talking. And it occurred to me that even as they talked about being blitzed and passing out, it occurred to me how how though they're on a a campus, get this picture, and they're going to spend tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on an education, they will not get God's best for their life if their heart is for the world. They will just be prodigals spinning their wheels. They will not get God's best for their life even though they're, they're surrounded by phenomenal minds and a phenomenal campus, and they're spending a lot of money, they will not get God's best for their life. And I'm going to drive back to the question, because this is a very serious question. That I, think, I think God brought you to church today to ask you this question. Are you being more shaped by the Word or by the world? On that continuum, which way are you headed? Are your affections more towards the world? or more towards God's Word. So let's push deeper, and I'm going to close down. Stephen, tell me how. Tell me how. You said, I can't do this transformation thing by myself. Tell me how. How can I be transformed? And here's the deal. You, You are transformed, and this is the key. You are transformed by allowing the Holy Spirit, you partner with the Holy Spirit. You do your stuff, and the Holy Spirit does His stuff, and He brings transformation to what you're doing. But what you've got to do is you you have got to get involved in partnering with the Holy Spirit. And you have got to start renewing your mind. Hey, can we go back to Romans 12 2? Sorry, I didn't tell you this one either. Romans 12 2, Because here's the, here's the key. Here's the key. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, say it out loud, renewing of your mind. That's how it happens. You have to have your mind renewed. So, so let me just... A, can we go through your day for a minute? Okay, you wake up in the morning and your kids are screaming and people are fussing and you want to fight. You're getting out the door, you know, you're already stressed, you know. And then you move on and you go to your work and you talk to your friend and that conversation goes nice. But then right behind it, that person's mean to you and, and you know, you're like, you know, you're about to. And, and you move through your day and do you realize how easy it is for you to not have your mind renewed? Do you know how easy it is for your mind to go bad? All right? So what do you have to do? You have to find a way to renew your mind over and over and over again and have Jesus come in by the power of his Holy Spirit and help make your mind to be the mind of Christ. So that when you're working through your day, whether it's in your workplace or whether it's in your home, as you're moving through that, you're trying to do all during the day, give me the mind of Christ. Give me the mind of Christ. Give me the mind of Christ. Earlier in this day, we were praying as a worship team over here and one person raised their hand and they said, you know what? I need prayer. Here's why I need prayer because I'm surrounded by mean people. You know, at my workplace, they started talking to us about the workplace, and it's hard to be a Christian in that place. What do they need? I'm thinking to myself, are you in the right church today? Because guess what? You need every day, what we're studying right now, your mind renewed. And I need it, and everybody else needs it. We have to have The Holy Spirit renewing our mind. A couple of action points in this or application points. Stephen, how does this work? The first bullet point, you have to continually refocus on the heavenly. You might want to even in your margin write that. Continually refocus on the heavenly. And maybe you'd write a scripture and go read it off this week. But the the Bible says, and the scripture I would get you to write, we're not going to read it. Scripture is uh, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. What does that say? It says you've got to put your mind on the things of heaven, not on the things of this earth. And you've got to daily and and all throughout the day set your mind on the things that are of heaven, peace, joy, life, love. You've got to keep coming back to your thoughts on heaven, not on the world. And listen, if you're going to see transformation in your life truly be transformed, it's a continually refocusing on the heavenly. That's hard to do when somebody's really ticking you off, but you've got to go and refocus on the heavenly. Man, this past week, man, somebody was, you know, it it was not going well with me and another person. And I had every right to call their behavior inappropriate, to say, you failed, you dropped, you've done this and that. You know what? In that moment that I'm sitting there looking at them, not saying a word, and they are doing all the wrong things, the Holy Spirit whispers to me and says, You have no idea how much pain is going on in their world right now. Now, I can follow my human reaction and get angry and frustrated right there with them, or I can try to say, okay, God, let's let's let this moment move into something that could actually be ministry for them, that would actually be loving towards them, not retaliatory towards them. This is the way God wants us to live every moment of every day, continually refocusing on the heavenly, on the heavenly. Second big point application point and that's this prepare yourself daily for battle prepare yourself daily for battle because you are in warfare you might want to write this scripture down and read it this week second corinthians uh, chapter 10 verses 4 through 5 it says the battle the, the battle that we're in is not a battle of flesh and blood but of principalities and darkness of the evil one who comes against us every day when you walk into your workplace and when you wake up in your home you the, a battle is all around you and you got to be ready for the battle and then thirdly, application point, write this one down. So we refocus on the heavenly, we're getting ready for the battle. Offer yourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit every day and throughout the day. Holy Spirit. Morph today, right now, you know? I mean, you can be if you're standing Penny, if you're standing at the copier this week and somebody's doing the wrong thing, you just stand there, look at them, and go. And they look at you, what the fool is happening to you? And you just, morphin'. I'm morphing right now. Right now. I'm morphing. They won't know what you're doing, but you're saying, Holy Spirit, I need help right now. I need help right now because I'm about to think the wrong things. I'm about to do the wrong things. Morph! And you're crying out. When they, when they raised their hand up, they were saying, now, nah. and the whoosh, you know. I believe we have got to partner with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've, I've got to close. But let me get real practical because this, this is all theoretical if you don't get the last part. Stephen, I, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to do the Romans, I want to live a Romans 12 life. I want to live when it comes to God surrendered, when it comes to the world separate. How do I really get my heart on God's word and not on the world? I'm going to get you to write five things down, five words, simple words. And, and, and yet, this past Sunday, I was sitting out with a New Connections class in our lobby, and I was teaching these five words to people, because they're, just, they're, they're important for you to grow and for you to move towards the word. The first one is this, here, write the word here what are you hearing? What are you hearing every day? You're driving down the road. You're you listening to, uh, you listen to 96.1. You listen to 98.5. Or are you trying to hear something else on your radio? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what are you listening to? You want to have your, your, your heart put on the world? Start making sure your ears are listening to the right thing. Secondly, write this word down, reading. Read, what are you reading? What are you reading? Are you reading the right stuff? I mean, have you noticed that when you're trying to check out a Walmart, all that stuff is there on the side of the thing and it's all it's all about the world? Listen, you don't need to be reading magazines, you don't need to be reading all the rest of that trash. You need to make sure that what you're putting into your mind and into your life is good stuff. You are reading truth, all right? So make sure you're reading the right things. Here's another one. Write the word down. Study. Study. Now, this may this may be revolutionary to some folks. But can I tell you, some folks graduated high school and they thought from that moment on, they don't have to study. But do you know what it means to be a disciple? It means you are a one who studies and follows to show yourself approved. That's what, that's what a disciple is. So I would ask you, you guys know I'm big on education anyway, I would ask you, what are you studying? Right now, I'm studying. There's a book on my shelf, multiple books on my shelf at my home, the books on my del- my desk, I'm studying. And I'm not just studying for you. I'm studying for me. Because when I study for me, I grow. Last couple of words. I just said five words. How about this one? Memorize. You want to get God's word down in your, in your heart? Memorize. And here's the question for you. When Satan came and tempted Jesus, he had the scripture memorized, right? Why? Because he was a person of the word. Huh. The scriptures say, man shall not live by bread alone. He had the word in it. Stephen, what do I memorize? Why don't you start with Romans twelve two. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to prove what God is. God's will is His perfect, His good, His pleasing will. Start there. Romans 12, 2. Write a little sticky note. Put it on your odometer. What are you memorizing? Put God's word in your heart. Fifth word. Talking to New Connections about that this past week. Meditate. Meditate on God's word. I mean, start somewhere. I, I told them about the, ten, the greatest ten-word prayer in the Bible. You know what the greatest ten-word prayer in the Bible is? Ten words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can meditate on each one of those words every day and it it'll, it'll lead you to a different place. But what are you meditating on? The Bible says we are to be meditating on God's word. You got your pen? Here's what I've been preaching about today. It can all be summed up in a big question when it comes to being transformed, not conformed, but transformed. It comes down to one question. And here's the question. You are what you eat. What are you eating? You are What you eat, what are you eating? God wants his best for you. But you got to give yourself to hearing and listening to his word for your life. You know, I've been praying for you, and what I prayed today is I prayed two simple prayers. I want you to track with me because I'm going to pray for you now. The first prayer is this. If you've been listening to the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's been nudging you this morning on something that's in the world, that's, that's like the world that he's, he's kind of convicted your heart of, that you've had your affections on the world. What is that thing this morning that you probably need to say, God, I've had my heart, my mind, my, my life pointed too much towards this stuff of that world. Today, today, he said, no longer. Do not be conformed. God, today, stopping that. I'm not gonna give my heart to that thing in the world any longer. What is that thing for you? And the second question is very simple. What is the baby step that you could take today or this week To renew your mind. What's the baby step? Is it changing the radio channel? What's the baby step? Is it getting up five minutes in the morning and reading the Bible? What's the baby step? Is it it getting a new book, going by the bookstore and and seeing what's on the shelf and saying, you know what? I had not studied something in a long time. I'm going to start studying something. What is the baby step that you could make this week towards being transformed and renewing your mind so that you would be morphed into the image of Jesus? God's plan for you is to give you his best. It's always been that. But we, like prodigals, run away from him. Enticed by a culture that only wants to kill us. God's word for you today is, huh, remember, for those who give themselves to that, that world's passing away. But if you give your affections to Jesus, that world is life eternal give your affections to Jesus. Hey, would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word because it's powerful and able to transform our lives. Your word is is truth for us. And I just pray today, Lord, that as folks are right here hearing your word, that they're ready to give up. and and say, no longer am I going to be controlled by these things of the world, that God, by the power of the Spirit, you would give them the ability to lay down those things in the world that, if, that they've been walking towards, they've been giving their heart towards, they've been thinking about. Lord, let them, let them lay that stuff down today, I pray, and say, no more, not for me. I will no longer be conformed to the image of the world. I'm putting my mind off that piece of trash. And Lord, what is the thing today that you would put on their spirit to start a baby step towards making sure that they are being transformed, that they're hearing, they're reading, they're studying, they're memorizing, they're meditating, they're giving themselves your word, they're walking towards your word to become more like you, Jesus. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit today, you would give them energy. Give them strength to follow through with what you're speaking over their soul right now so that the seed you planted in them this week, in the name of Jesus, would bear fruit in their life, eternal fruit, hallelujah, in their family, in their family tree in the generations to come. Lord, help them, help them morph in the name of Jesus. And Lord, in the next few minutes as we give towards the tithes and the offerings of our church, as we give towards the the youth lodge renovation, Lord, would you take our gifts? Would you... Use them for your good and for your glory. And may the kingdom of God come on this earth. And Lord, may you use your church to be a blessing to this surrounding area. We love you, Jesus. We give to your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.